Hey, you are tuned into the Bold Church podcast. My name is Yasmin Ruhi. I am one of the lead pastors here. We're so excited that you can join us for today's talk. We hope it blesses you. We hope it encourages you. And if you find it useful, go ahead and send it to someone else whose day you can bless. If you want to join us, we meet live every Sunday morning. If you want to find out our times or where we're meeting, head to our website at bold.church or head to our Instagram at boldchurch. SV. Thank you so much and enjoy today's talk. Before we begin, let me just give you some housekeeping. Today we are doing baptisms. Some of you have accepted Christ in our church in the last year and it's time to take that step of faith. And we love to do things like spontaneous baptisms. What does that mean, Pastor? It means we prepare even though you didn't come prepared. We got clothes, we got towels, we got socks, we got underwear. It's extra large, don't worry. So we're ready for you. So if you want to take that step of faith, believe me, we would love to dunk you in the name of Jesus. And uh, we are in a collection of talks called Killer Church. Uh, And the, the heart behind this collection of talks is really, is the way we're doing church killing our faith. Instead of building it, is it destroying it? And uh, every week, for the last three weeks, I've been going hard teaching. I'm going to preach today. So I might get emotional because I'm going to share with you probably one of the most painful things that I experienced this last year uh, into into what my conversation with God went like. And don't judge me, okay? Uh, If if you want, we'll, we'll bring cameras to your house and we'll record you guys for a week and then we'll play it on, on the building, and then, then we can decide wh- who you can judge. But what I want to do is I want to I give you this thought. This is the title of today's talks. It's okay to doubt. It's okay to Turn to your neighbor and say, it's okay to doubt. Now, I'm not sure if you noticed this, but you, you abandoned the person to your other side. Can you tell the person on the other side, it's okay. You can, it's okay. It's okay to doubt as well. Uh, let's pray. God, thank you so much, God, that your word is living and active. God, we love you. God, thank you for the families that are growing. Uh, God, but we don't just want to come to church. We want to be the church. God, we don't go to bold. We are bold. That's our identity, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you, we would walk in one way, but we'd walk out another. God, we want to talk more like you, look more like you, love more like you. And if you believe that everybody said, yeah. come on, everybody said, yeah. come on, before we begin, we just tradition. We just get loud for Jesus. Come on. Can we give it up for the Lord? If you've ever hung around kids, you know they have a proclivity for questions. And, and if you've, I don't know if you ever have kids in here. Anyone ever hung out by a kid? Trying to include everyone, even the single people ready to mingle. But there are movies that I've watched, and they don't make sense until I become a parent. And, and I want to show you some pictures. This, this makes more sense. Yoda in Star Wars died because Luke asked so many questions. I feel that meme right there. If you're single, if you're in a relationship, and you don't, have kids, you don't understand why he's dying, right? Sometimes kids ask questions, and it's just funny. This next slide shows it. To, uh, my niece asked me one day why I always wear the same tattoos. Why don't you change them? Because they don't see the world the way that we do. Sometimes, though, when we bring them to church, we, we think we're learning about God, and sometimes they're really not. Watch this meme. This is great. Uh, my Bible teacher asked the class, what biblical character had a conversation with a donkey? Balaam, by the way, number 22. And my sister, little sister answered Shrek. <laughs> what church are you going to, right? Sometimes, though, they, they see things the way that we don't see things. 
So I love kids and their questions that they ask. And uh, one more, one more. It's uh, my four-year-old. Why do we have to wear shoes? They protect your feet. No, they trap your feet. They're feet traps. <laughs> Sometimes kids ask questions and, and it's annoying. The age-old question, are we there yet? It's like we're in the driveway. Let, give it like 15 more minutes before you ask that question. Sometimes it's serious, right? I remember the first time my daughter saw a homeless person. She's like, why is he holding a sign? I'm like, oh, he's homeless. And she's like, what does that mean? I'm like, oh, he doesn't have a, a home. She's like, how did he lose it? I'm like, I don't know, honey. She's like, and then she asked the question that I didn't even know how to answer. Will we lose our home, Dad? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, how do I explain homelessness to a five-year-old, right? Sometimes the questions are scary. Anybody who's ever prayed with their kids, they go, Daddy, does God still do miracles, right? You know, like, you have to hide your poker face, right? Like, oh, my gosh. I don't want to scare my daughter. I, if I panic, she'll never bring me her questions again, right? Because sometimes, if I'm going to be honest, I got questions for God. Why don't you do the things that I see in the scriptures you do? And I can't get angry. You're a PK. What do you mean you don't believe in miracles? What are they teaching you in kids' ministry? Get right, Right? And I can't get angry, I can't panic, because if I do, then, then she'll never bring me her questions. And I, I want to create an environment that's judgment-free. I want to create a place where it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to ask those questions, because if she goes to her friends, they're going to tell her what she wants to hear. If she goes to social media, it's going to be what the algorithm wants to give her. If she goes to Fox News or CNN, it's what the political commentary wants to give her. I want her to get what God wants to give her. Because if, if we're honest, man... If you just look at the world, we got questions. Why is there so much evil in the world, right? Why do some people die so young? Why are all the Laker fans and Raider fans, why are they all demonic? Come on. Like, it doesn't even make sense to me. It's like one or two I can get, but it's all of them, God. Why? And then you look at your marriage and why, God? Look at your kids and they don't. Listen, why God? I don't know about you, but I look at my bank account. I'm like, God, direct deposit hit three days ago. Where did my money go, God? Did it happen? And sometimes we think, man, I can't bring my questions. I can't bring my doubts to God. Let me tell you again, it is okay to doubt. And I want to give you this truth. God is not scared or afraid of your questions. Let me take it a step further. He's prepared for them. Let me go even further. He desires them. He wants them. It's a place where he wants to help grow your faith. And he does that through your questions. And I love the book of Psalms. There's an old saying, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. A psalm a day keeps your, the bitterness away. Because the, the, the Psalms will teach you how to live your life out. It will teach you how to walk out faith. How do I pray, Pastor Ali? I mean, I wrote like this. The, the, the Psalms, it, it will teach you how to pray. Because some of you, the only way you know how to pray is when you, you, you pray with other Christians. And let me tell you, some of you in this room, I love you, but you're crazy. You pray some crazy prayers. You know, you know what the number two search engine in the world is? You know how we do things? We go to YouTube. How do I bake bread? How do I change my oil? How do I jump start my car? We, we, we go to YouTube to learn how to do things. Do you want to learn how to pray? Psalms. And the other thing the Psalms teaches us is, is how to how to praise God. Because some of you are the frozen chosen, right? You're, you're like. Some of you, you're holding a TV. It's awesome. I love it. Right? You're holding a TV. 
I don't know who taught you how to do that, but someone taught, some of you are under arrest. But how do you praise Jesus? The Psalms teaches you how to do that. And the third thing it teaches you is how to intercede. It, sometimes we don't got to just pray for ourselves. We got to pray for other people, pray for our relatives, pray for our friends, dare I say, even our enemies. It also teaches you how to, the how of spiritual warfare. I love the psalm because David is a man after God's own heart. And he says, God, I want you to smash the teeth of my enemies. Some of you are like, amen to that verse. I can't wait to go to work tomorrow. No, 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 no. Our battle's not with flesh or blood like my wife said, but it's against the spirit behind that person. It's different. The psalms will teach you how to do spiritual warfare. And I love the psalms because the last thing it shows you is how to question God. It, how, how do I bring my questions to God in a way that's it's authentic to me, but will allow my faith to grow, not kill it. Let me show you some questions from the book of Psalms. And this is Psalm 10, verse 1. Why, O oh Lord, do you stand far away? Why? Someone say, why? Why do you hide yourselves, yourself in times of trouble? Anyone ever experienced where you're in this room, you're in the presence of God, you're around other Christians, and you're like, oh my God, God is so good. He's got my back. And the moment you get in your car, you strap in what you thought were angels, but then they are, they are now demons, right? You're about to lose your salvation, and you haven't even left the parking lot. It's like, God, how are you in that room but not in this car? Where are you, God? And then the, this other psalm is Psalm 6, verse 3. It says, my soul is also greatly troubled, but you, Lord, how long? Someone say, how long? Anyone ever ask God that question? All the single people are like, Lord, how long? Pastor Alec told me I need character, but I think I have more character than Jesus. I've been waiting so long. Come on, God. How long, Lord? Some of you are like, Pastor Alec, come on, how long? I, I got two kids in a one bedroom. How long until we get a bigger place? How long? And there's another prayer in Psalm 72. This is the Asaph. This is like the worship director in the Bible. This is the equivalent of Ethan writing a psalm and him writing it. So this is quote unquote Ethan. It's going to sound like him too in a moment. Watch this. <laughs> what? what does God know? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Bro, check yourself. Why are you talking to God like that? Dude, what? That's crazy. And watch what he says. Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease with, while their riches multiply. They don't read their Bible. They don't go to church. And their life is cush, God. What's up with that? And then look how he continues. I wish I was making this up. Verse 13. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? What's the point of going to church? Why go to, why read my Bible? Why, why be part of a church? Why keep myself pure, God? I joined the dream team. I gave, I served, I prayed. And all of it seemed like it was in vain, God. Because their life's easier than mine. Every time I follow you, it gets harder. What's the point? What do you do with your questions? I'm trying to tell you, it's, it's okay to doubt. And this next one is probably the most famous question in the book of Psalms. Everybody knows Psalms 23. The, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But this is Psalm 22. And for some of you, this is going to sound familiar. I'm going to explain why. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you've heard that before. It's because Jesus said that on the cross. Which in and of itself is a revelation. Because you and I think sometimes, oh my gosh, God is giving us insight into the scriptures to Jesus upset with God. Some commentaries say this is the only time in the entire Bible when Jesus prays, he doesn't use the word Father. And they run with it. Oh my gosh, he's upset. He's angry. No, bro. He's literally not venting. He's quoting scripture. 
Because there will be times in your life you are so upset, so frustrated with God, you don't even have the words. So what do you do? The Psalms teach you how to question God. You quote the scriptures. You, if you needed a reason to question God, listen, not only does your pastor do it, not only do little kids do it, Jesus does it. And there are two reasons why I want to give you this morning. Uh, we're going to go into it much deeper. Why God wants you to bring your question. Number one, he wants you to be free. Someone say free. I'm going to share a story that maybe on the surface sounds silly, but it, 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 it almost changed my life. In, an, in the negative. Uh, every year I go to Dallas, Texas. There's a, a church planting church called Lake Point. They got like 15,000 people. And every year for the last 15 years, they give money, resources, time, energy to five church planters to, to help build churches, launch churches, start churches in the most unchurched region in the entire country. L.A., Boston, New York. I, for some reason, they invited me to this group. And these are like the best of the best. And every year I'm like, why am I in this room? And this last November... I left my house at 4.45 to arrive at San Jose Airport at 5 a.m. only to realize that my flight had been delayed till 11. And I'm like, I don't want to go home. I'm like, and I'm talking to the lady behind the counter. I'm like, is there any way that like, is there another flight? Is there an earlier flight? She's like, oh yeah. There's a flight at 9 a.m. in SF. I'm like, let's do this. Not realizing there were 45 other people that wanted to do what I did. And there's 45, like 30 people outside waiting. I don't know why American Airlines did. I'm calling you guys out. You got to hear this. American Airlines, if you're watching, I don't know if you watch sermons, but I'm calling you out. There's 30 of us waiting on the street corner, waiting for an Uber one at a time to take four of us. Listen, I missed my flight at 9 a.m. You know what happens when you miss a flight at 9 a.m.? You're waitlisted for the next flight. So imagine, I'm at SFO at 9. And I'm like, when's the next flight? They're like 3 o'clock. I'm like, you guys are demons. What? So I'm waitlisted at 3. Guess who missed their flight at 3? And I'm waitlisted for the next flight at 5. I finally, in the I was the last person they let on at 5 o'clock. It gets worse. We're 30 minutes from Dallas. It's only a two and a half hour flight. And we start doing figure eights. If you ever been in an airplane, they're stalling. And they're like, there's thunderstorms in Dallas. We, we cannot legally land right now. And so we're up in the air from 45 minutes. It's like 10 o'clock at night. And I've already been at the airport like 16 hours. And they're like, I'm so sorry to say, they're on the announcement. They're like, we're so sorry to say this. We only have gas for 30 more minutes. We need to land. I'm like, where in the world? We have to land in Tulsa. So we're in Tulsa. And there's five other planes that were supposed to land in Dallas. I'm, at the, I'm like furious. I'm about to lose my salvation. Because <laughs> we're waiting for them to fill the plane. And then at like 1130, he's like, I'm so sorry. I need to tell you guys one more time. We're waiting for them to fill our flight. But as pilots, we're not allowed to fly more than 10 hours. And I'm like, what does that even mean? He's like, when this, it becomes a, a 12 o'clock, Everyone needs to get off the plane. And I'm like, dude, this is the day from hell. I don't know what is going on. It's 1145. He gives us one last warning. This is your last chance. You can stay on the flight or you can get off. Me and 20 other people are like deuces. And I figure, because I, I Google mapped it, it's a four-hour drive from Tulsa to Dallas. I'll get there at like three or four in the morning. 
I'm cool. I walk off the plane, courage, full of faith. I got this. I'm going to drink some Red Bull, make it to Dallas. I get to the rental car. There are no rental cars. I'm like, when does the rental car place open for, if someone has to turn one in, I look at my phone. It's like 12.15. The flight took off. So now I have to sleep in a Tulsa airport, and I bought another ticket at 6. I, I called my wife, and I'm like, I just need you to listen and don't say anything. <laughs> this is one I need a judgment-free zone right now. If God were in the room, I think we would fight. I don't even want to talk to him. And God bless my wife. She... She's so much wiser than me. She's like, just tell him your feelings. I'm like, no. I don't know what happened that night, but it's impossible, listen, to sleep in a chair. There, there are demons designed airports, let me tell you. Because they put armrests so you can't lay your feet down. So I have to sleep like, like this. <laughs> and I didn't sleep. It's like 2 in the morning, and there were things I was frustrated about my whole life with God. That started coming up. Like, God, why would you give me that dad that beat me for 18 years? God, why this and why that? And I, I'm telling you because some of you have those things about God and you're afraid to share them with other people. I'm a pastor and these things were bubbling up. Anger. And before God could say anything, I said, I don't even want to hear it, Lord. I don't even want to talk to you right now. And I remember in the morning at like 5 a.m., I could sense God's, because I went to a Christian conference. <laughs> and how do you know, how do you know, it's hard to ignore God when you're worshiping. So I'm in this room, trying not to worship, even though, you know, I am kind of doing the things, the hand things, the TV, and the, I'm going to rest, right? And I began to share with him my anger. And I, and I wrote down like this, let your questions be the feelings you share, not the shackles you wear. See, some of you, you got anger. You got frustration. You, you have, why, God? And you're not sharing. And it's the very thing that's crippling your faith. And no one can see it, but you're walking around with a ball and chain. Because your faith is dying. Because you're not giving him what you're feeling. And I love that Jesus, when he's on the cross, listen, he's not asking questions because he's trying to learn anything. He already knows everything. He's asking the question because he's modeling to us what it looks like to be in a judgment-free zone. He's telling God, God, I'm upset with you. I don't want to die, but I'm going to follow you anyways. Some of you need to learn it's okay to doubt because Jesus did too. And the second thing Jesus wants us to teach us this morning that faith does, like your, why your faith grows with questions. Number one, it sets you free. Number two, it's this. God wants to build your faith. Someone say faith. faith. Questions build your faith. And I'm going to use my wife because she's a great example of this. My wife, every once in a while, especially around like Valentine's Day, you get a little romantic, you know. You say nice things and it's like, babe, thank you for picking me. I'm not trying to say that because I want to have sex. So that's, like, that's a, a desire every day, right? I'm like, babe, thank you for picking me because you had options. I didn't. 
I'm not bitter about it. I'm just telling you, right? First year of marriage, we're, we're going places. Like, baristas are flirting with her in front of me. I'm like, bro, why doesn't anybody flirt with me? Not that I want it, but I'm just saying, I didn't have options. So the fact that my wife picked me even though she had options makes her, when she picks me, even that more special. Faith is the same way. Faith doesn't make sense in the absence of fear or the absence of doubt. It makes more sense in the presence of it. I wrote like this, faith is not the absence of doubt. It's what you do although you doubt, although you question God, although you don't know if he's going to come through, although you have fear and doubt and questions, that's when it makes the most sense. That's why I love Jesus. The very last thing he says on the cross, Luke 23, verse 46, it says this. Then Jesus calling out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. And the question for me and maybe for you is, does Jesus believe God or does he feel he's forsaken? Does he want to sit in God's lap or does he feel abandoned? Does he trust or does he not? Does he have faith or does he have doubt? Which one is it, Jesus? Because a second ago you said you were forsaken and now you trust him? Which one is it? And the answer is yes. It's both. And that's the tension that you need to learn to live in. I'm praying, but it feels like God's not listening. I'm waiting on God, but it feels like he's walked out of the building. I'm coming to church, but I still got the same issues I had last week. I'm doing the things I'm supposed to do, but I'm feeling like this whole Christianity, me following Jesus, I believe, but I got doubts. If I can boil it down to one question, it's this. Why, God? Why, God? Why do little kids get cancer? Why did my parents divorce? Why are all my friends getting married and I'm still single? God, why, why, do, why can't we have kids? I saw all these families, we're trying, why can't we? Why did my uncle die, God? Why, did, why is it when I followed you with all my heart and I said I do until death do us part and then she left? Why, God? Why the miscarriage? Why, about, why is my brother not a Christian? We all got these questions. The question, though, is what do you do with them? Do you keep them inside or do you bring them to God? Are they feelings you share or shackles you wear? And I want to kind of answer that question. And it's not really my answer to the question. It's what Jesus it's his answer to the question. And it's in John chapter 11, and it begins with verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary. Somebody shout Mary. And the sister, and her sister Martha. Somebody shout Martha. We're going to be talking about these two people in this moment. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister said to him, him being Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Isn't that a little bit of emotional manipulation? Like, come on. The one you, we know you love him. Come on down. Verse 4 says, but when Jesus heard it, he said that this illness will not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. So that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. 
cool, I'm all about this. Now watch what happens. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Let me read that again so that some of you who doubt the goodness of God, who doubt his love, God needs to repeat it. God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his only son. He loves you. If there's one message, if you're new to church, if you're new to Christianity, let me tell you, God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And he's, he's repeating it. Even though they already know it, that's why they sent him a letter. We know you love me. And then Jesus is saying again, I do love you. Then watch what happens. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he dropped everything and drove. Oh, your Bible doesn't say that? <laughs> so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he called Uber, which is just a camel back then, and dropped his kosher sandwich and went. Oh, your Bible doesn't say that either? It says he stayed two more days. Why? I got questions, God. If you love me, why wouldn't you come? If you really love me, why would you have my brother suffer? We know you're a miracle worker. What's up? And guess who else has got questions? Martha. And let me just warn you, Martha is half Mexican and half Persian, Okay. There's a, a word that God gave me this week. It, it's going to sound foreign to some of you. She's Haley Loco, <laughs> which is both languages mean she's very crazy. And you're going to see it come out. And her faith, I'm telling you, is the faith that you need. And the faith of her sister is the mistake that I made in the airport. Watch what happens. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet it. Let me just pause right there and tell you what's happening. Martha and Mary are in their home in Bethany, and they're crying, they're weeping, and they, someone comes in the house and says, oh my gosh, did you hear? Jesus is coming. This girl puts on her Nikes or Air Force Ones, and she's like, oh my gosh, Jesus, he's got some explaining to do, right? And she leaves her house, leaves Bethany. He hasn't even arrived, and she's like, like wagging her finger, hand on her hip, All in his face. Where were you? I love that Jesus never rebukes her. Where were you? You got to understand these two sisters. Because it is a metaphor for me and you. Um, if you go back to, to who these people are. You're new to Christianity. You don't know. Let me explain them. Martha, Mary, and Lazarus are three. Three's company. This is the Old Testament version of that. And they love Jesus, and Jesus loves them. And Jesus, he traveled to hundreds of cities, met thousands of people. These are, this is one particular family that he became very close with. Like he's intimate with them, like friends with them. And one time he goes to their house, and he's teaching, and Mary is sitting at his feet. And you got to understand, that's a picture of being a disciple. Because when, when, a, when a rabbi was teaching and you're sitting down listening to him, that means you're under him. And if he doesn't send you out, that means, listen, you're allowed to be there. Jesus didn't rebuke her for wanting to be a disciple of Jesus. Jesus' entire ministry, Luke chapter 8, was funded by women. I love Joel chapter 2 says, and God's spirit will pour out on all flesh, not just the male flesh. Let me tell you, that's why my wife came up and she said, we, lead, we are co-lead pastors. We lead this together. Why? Because God wants, if, if, if my kids need a mom and dad, listen, this church needs a mom and dad. And if you're a woman in this room, let me tell you, God wants to use you, not just your husband. And Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus learning, and her sister, Martha, she's the busybody. 
She's like setting up the charcuterie table, you know, or tacos. I don't know what she's doing. Nachos, something. And in that culture, hospitality was the highest cultural value. If you weren't hospitable, it was like the most shameful thing ever. Like in our culture, if you're a Lakers fan, it's like, oh my gosh, don't even like recognize yourself. Like don't, don't tell people that. And Martha is getting upset at Mary. Jesus, tell her to come help me because this is really important. And Jesus says, actually, this is the most important thing. And there's a spiritual principle. What Jesus wants to you, you to know is what he's saying is more important than what your culture teaches you. And it's this beautiful picture. She wants to be with Jesus. She wants to serve Jesus. She's sitting at his feet, just wanting to be in his presence, and she wants to do things for him. And that's a picture before anything happens. Then after Lazarus, their brother, dies, the way that they handle pain, the way that they handle disappointment is, again, a metaphor of me and you. Martha, she's got questions. God, why, why would you let this happen? What's up? I thought you loved me. I, 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 I still believe. I know you're doing something. What is it you're doing? Mary, she hears Jesus coming, and she doesn't even leave the house because she's so upset with him. She pulled what I did. I don't even want to talk to you. My question for you this morning is, which one are you? Are you a Martha? Are you a Mary? Do you hold your feelings in, or do you bring them to God? Because I wrote it down like this. Maybe this will help you. God is never afraid of our questions, but sometimes we're afraid of his answers. Before I dated Pastor Yaz, let me tell you, there was a girl I was trying to date. I used quotes because it wasn't working. And every time I tried to, like, ma manufacture things, my prayer was this, God, if she's not the one, make her the one. And what I was really saying is, I don't want you to say no, Jesus. Make, give me what I want. Listen, some of you in this room, you think God doesn't answer prayers. Oh, he does. He says no because your prayers are crazy. <laughs> and if he always gave you what you wanted, you would destroy your life. You would ruin it. And this is why I, I'm so thankful for this metaphor of Martha and Mary. Because when disaster happens, you got to see the lens in which they view disappointment, is a metaphor for our heart. Mary, she's upset. She doesn't want to leave the house. And when disappointment comes in, she sees it through the lens of relationship. She was the one that sat at Jesus' feet. So when disappointment happens, she thinks there's something wrong with our relationship. Either I did something wrong, or you're not as good as they say you are. I experienced this in my own life. My, my sister, 12 years ago, experienced miscarriage. And for six months, she couldn't even talk about it. It was a drag to even come to church sometimes because she thought, what did I do wrong? Maybe I'm wrong. Praise God, she's got three kids. Some of you have experienced that. God is a good God. The, that sign out there, the best is yet to come, is a mantra for those who are experiencing pain because God's still alive. And if I'm still alive, that means he's got good things for me. And in those moments, listen, when, when she's experiencing pain, Martha's like, there must be something broken either in me or in you because it's relational. Martha's different. Martha's like a project manager at a tech company. She's like, I get how this works. You got to sometimes sacrifice 
people and feelings to get the job done. We got to deliver the product. We got to meet the deadline. I know you're good. I know you love me, but what are you doing? And I wrote down like this, Mary's why is why don't you love me? Martha's why is what are you working on? Let me tell you right now, one of them will destroy your faith. One of them will build your faith. If you do what Mary does, listen, which is what I was doing at the airport. Do you even love me? After he has already been faithful for 18 years, listen, I'll get to it, but it is crazy what the enemy will do to get you to pull away from God. Now, I'm going to use myself as an example, not to like shame myself, but to use you as an example of what not to do. So let me, let me re- relate it like this. Uh, my four-year-old, uh, many of you come to our church, I got a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. A, sorry, a six-year-old and a four-year-old. The four-year-old, she doesn't just listen to hip-hop, she lives hip-hop, okay? <laughs> she will bust a cap in you. It's a water gun, but she's coming. Three weeks ago, my, do- my seven-year-old walks in with her tooth out. She's like, Daddy, my tooth fell out. I'm like, awesome. She's like, no, Zoe punched me in the face, Daddy. I was like, Wow. Behind closed doors, I was like, that is awesome. Good for you. Like, <laughs> but there, there doesn't go a night during the week where the seven-year-old doesn't run in crying. She pulled my hair. She, she pinched my back. She bit me today, Dad. And, and sometimes my daughter does it behind the corner so when I don't see her. She'll look at me, and when I turn the corner, she'll go, I'm like, you're only obedient when I'm around, but the moment I'm gone, you become someone else. And, and when my daughter, she'll run to me because she wants me to protect her. She's like, Dad, Zoe hit me, and I'll run in the room. Forgive me. Sometimes I don't have the righteousness of God. I'm like, Zoe, why? And I don't even want an answer. And she'll like, four-year-old, like, uh, uh, uh. And I cut her off. I don't even want to hear it. There's no reason you should punch your sister. And I'm trying to tell some people, don't talk to God the way you would a four-year-old. See, in the airport, I was like, God, why? Why is this happening? Do you even love me? And before he could send his spirit, before he could comfort me, give me a peace that surpasses understanding, I was like, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear it. I want to challenge some of you. Don't speak to God the way you would the four-year-old. Because in the reality, you and I are the four-year-old in comparison to him. How should we do it, Pastor Ali? Let me tell you another story. Before my dad passed away this last May, my dad was kind of like a renaissance, like handyman. Like he actually like screwed things into the wall. Like it blew my mind. I've never done those things before, you know? Like the opposite of a handyman. And like he could fix cars, like I don't even know how. Like I only see those things and miracles on YouTube. I don't know how he did it. And one time he bought for me like a a 20-year-old car with like 200,000 miles on it. And the battery dies. And we're hooking it up. And I'm in the car. And he's like, turn the engine. And he's like, da 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 He's like, pump the gas. And in that moment, I knew my dad's character. I knew he was a handyman. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense. But because I, I trust you, I'll pump the gas. And then I turned it. And lo and behold, would you believe the car came on? See, there's a difference between questioning someone's actions and questioning someone's character. I wrote it like this. When you discredit God's character, it always leads to divorce. But when you doubt his actions, it leads to discovery. 
One will lead you to ask questions and want, because you know he's good. Maybe the action, why do you want me to pump the gas, God? That doesn't make sense, but because you've been faithful, because you've been good, because you've never let me down, I'm going to trust you again. One says, you're not good. I'm done trusting you. One sounds like Jesus and one sounds like Satan. Which one do you want to sound like? Because pain is coming. Disappointment is coming. It's not just on the righteous, it's on the unrighteous too. That's why Psalm 72 says, God, why is it that their life seems better than mine? I go to church every day, I, I follow you. Why am I obeying you in vain? And I'll show you how that prayer ends because it's miraculous. But watch what Martha does. Psalm, John 11, verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, this is the faith that God wants you to have. He wants you to bring your anger. He wants you to bring your frustration. He wants you to bring your feelings to God. My brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. You're a miracle worker. You're a savior. You're the, I've seen you do it before. I know you can do it again. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And at this point, she's like almost annoyed. Watch what she says. Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection. I know you're good, but why is it this way? What are you doing? I don't understand why you want me to pump the gas. You've shown yourself faithful before. Help me understand, God. And this is the answer that I want to give some of you of the why does this happen? Why the cancer? Why the miscarriage? Why the singleness? Why am I living paycheck to paycheck? Why does my brother not walk with God? And Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and the life. I am. And the reason why you're not shouting for joy is that answer doesn't seem to satisfy us. In some sense, Jesus did answer the question. And in one sense, he didn't. In one sense, he gave us the answer, I am the resurrection. In one sense, how does this change my marriage? How does this change cancer? I wrote down like this. God's answer to the question why is, it is I am. I am what? He's different. His ways are not like our ways. His thoughts are not like our thoughts. And I wrote down like this. You wouldn't understand the answer, even if I gave it to you because I am on a different level. About two years ago, Dale and I were preparing because we used to be at the Hotel Valencia and then we got kicked out because of COVID and then we did church online for a year. It was awesome. It was Netflix church, you know? And then we tried to do live stream inside the Hotel Valencia. And I remember Dale trying to figure it out and we, no matter what we did, it wouldn't work. And I come from a tech background. I was a software engineer. I'm like, Dalen, what's going on? Explain to me. And she's like, blah, 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 Okay, now this time use different words. And she explained it. And I'm like, okay, I don't understand it. But I'm glad that you do. Go fix that problem. And that's what would happen if God tried to explain to you why he does certain things. He would tell you, but you wouldn't understand it. Because you want a good... You want a good Friday. God wants a good legacy. You want a good girlfriend. God wants good grandchildren. In the same way that if you try to explain 
algebra to an ant. God's trying to explain your destiny to you. He, his ways are not our ways. And number two, it's this. You're not the one who gets to decide the answer. I am. The problem is control. Listen, my kids, they don't fight me until they disagree. Yeah, my wife's laughing. She knows that one. If we got home from church, I'm like, guys, girls, we're having ice cream for lunch. They would tear their clothes off, worship Jesus. <laughs> right? We're going to Disneyland tomorrow. No, they would pack faster than it would take them to put their shoes on every morning. <laughs> but the moment I say, brush your teeth, why? Put on your pajamas, why? Go to your room, why? Go to sleep, why? We only question when we disagree. And some of you need to hear this hard truth. Don't say you believe in God and then get angry when he acts like God. Silence for some reason. That's what I needed to hear. God was doing something in me. In that airport. Healing me of anger that I'd been carrying for. I didn't even know I carried it. Don't complain. When things don't go your way. There's a song that Ethan wrote about six years ago now. And many of you don't know this, Ethan, before he came and joined Bull Church, God bless him, he was a missionary in Malawi with his wife for three years. And one day they were in Malawi hiking, and I think there was eight of them hiking this mountain, and one of them, 25, 26-year-old, starts acting very funny and experiences a heart attack. And he passes away on this mountain. And so imagine... Ethan's mindset, I'm giving you my life. I'm sacrificing the American dream for your dream, God. I'm here with other missionaries. We're giving you everything we have. Why? Why? And Ethan wrote a song. I believe it's called, I Run to You. And I wanted him for a moment just to sing those words. Because that's the response of Martha. She left Bethany and she ran to Jesus and said, why? Whereas Mary stayed because she was so upset, she didn't even want to see Jesus. You can sing those songs, Ethan. God, I'll run to you. I'll run to you. When I'm broken and afraid, I call you followers of Jesus, we need to understand is this. It's on the screen. 
Sometimes he doesn't do what we want, but he makes a better king. I've lived life my way, where I'm in control of my finances, I'm in control of my sexuality, I'm in control of my career, and every time I mess it up, every time I shipwreck my my faith, my life, my career, but there's a God who will not let me down. There's a God who's a better king, a better manager, a better financial person than me, and it's Jesus. And it takes faith in his character, not his actions, in his character to understand. And what I love about Jesus is he doesn't give them an answer that will quench. He gives them himself. I am the resurrection. And here's the thing I want to give all of you. Jesus is the answer. You're looking for peace? He's the person of peace. You're looking for healing? He's the healer. You're looking for a resurrection? He's the one that resurrected. Your marriage is dead? Don't worry. My God can bring dead things back to life. You're broken? He can heal up the brokenhearted. You're in prison? He can set the captives free. I wrote it down like this. Why is Jesus the answer? Because it takes pain to have progress. It takes sickness to have a healing. It takes a struggle to have a story. It takes a trial to have a testimony. It takes death to have a resurrection. You'll never praise God for healing until you get sick. You'll never know that God's a resurrector until your marriage dies. The greatest gift that God can give you is a revelation, not a blessing. Because you'll never know him as that until that breaks. Let me read you Psalm 73, how this psalm ends. Verse 16, but when I thought how to understand this, the why. Why is life like this? And it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went to the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. When I got in God's presence, I realized what I've been missing all along. Jesus doesn't give it an answer. He is the answer. If you could stand to your feet and bow your heads. There's some of you that need to do business with God. With every eye closed and every head bowed. Some of you need to tell your God your frustration, your anger. Why, God? Why did that person die? Why did that person experience this? Why the divorce? Why the miscarriage? Why am I living paycheck to paycheck? Why was my father abusive? Why did I say I do and that person said I'm done? Why, God? And you've never told God how you feel. It's time. He's not going to be angry. He can hear Jesus on the cross say, why did you forsake me? He can hear you say the same things. Bring your anger. Bring your frustration to the one who can love you, who can quench your heart. There are others of you in this moment that... You never knew who Jesus was. And it's an honor for me to tell you who he is. He's the everlasting God. 
He's the God who made the heavens and the earth, and he has a name. His name is Jesus. And 2,000 years ago, the eternal, infinite God became finite and was born of a virgin, lived a sinless and perfect life. And he didn't come to give us a book. He didn't come to give us karaoke on Sunday mornings. He came to die on a cross for our sins. Because the good things that you and I try to do to be close to God are never enough. So only the cross will bridge the gap between me and you and God. Good works won't do it. Good, good thoughts won't do it. Good behavior won't do it. It's only the sacrifice of Jesus. Some of you have never prayed for him to be your God. And you feel this tug on your heart. I never knew. I never knew God did that for me. And in a moment, I'm going to have every head bowed and every eye closed. I just want to ask you, if you've never prayed that prayer before, would love to lead you in a prayer of salvation. In a moment, I want to count to three, and if that's you this morning, I want you to shoot your hand up. It'd be my honor to pray with you. We, we want to give you a book called Following Jesus. It's free. It'll help you on this journey of faith. With every eye closed and every head bowed, on the count of three, one, two, three, if that's you, just shoot your hand up. It's not between me and you. It's not between you and this church. This is between you and Jesus. I see your hand over there. Amen. Amen. Everyone pray this prayer out Thank you, Jesus, for leaving heaven for me, for living the life I couldn't live, and then dying the death I should have died. Thank you. I may not get my why answered, but you are the answer. You are the solution to sin. You paid my penalty. I repent. I turn from my sin. And like Martha, I run to you. Thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give it up for the hands that went up? want to help some of you take your next step. If you've been coming for a while and you want to make this church your home, it's growth track. Fill out this card. If some of you, today's the day you're going to go public with your faith. we got a baptism tub. We would love to help you take that step of, of obedience. Others of you, it's, it's time to bring your tithes and offerings. I just want to encourage you, if, if bold church is your home, you are never giving too bold. You're giving through bold. Because you're bringing your tithes and offerings to God, you're just doing it through the local church. Let me just pray for our offering. Thank you, God, that every perfect gift comes from above. God, would you use this offering to build your house, to help those families raise their children to know you, Jesus. And thank you, God, that it's okay to doubt. And everybody said... Hey, thank you so much for listening today. If you want to follow us on social media and just stay up to our current events, our social media handle is Bold Church SV. That's Bold Church SV for Silicon Valley. We hope you stay blessed and we'll see you soon.